Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 31. Hi, hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 31. Back to the regular schedule here, back to one podcast every week talking to a creative, inspiring individual. And this week is actually probably one of the most, it's probably one of the hardest working punk rock musicians that Scotland, that the UK has to offer, I think. I talked to Fraser from the Murder Burgers. Now, the Murder Burgers have been going for quite a while now, and as you'll hear in the podcast, the Murder Burgers has went through various different incarnations, but Fraser's work ethic and Fraser's drive to just keep playing shows and just doing what the fuck he loves is, you know, is unquestionable. The Murder Burgers have played a lot of shows, I mean, a lot of shows. They've released some great records on, and they're now part of the Asian Man family, which is a great, great thing, especially for a band from Scotland. Fraser is like... The atypical punk musician, you know, he's he's whenever he's not on the road, he's basically just working uh, any job that he can find. He also runs a record label called Round Dog Records, which he, as he was as you'll hear in the podcast, he also loves doing, and is you know a great testament to our wonderful DIY punk ethic that we have in Scotland. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the Murder Burgers are a band whose DIY punk ethic has really propelled them to the place where they are. Playing shows, being on the road all the time and just paying their dues has gotten them to be probably one of the most popular old school proper pop punk bands in Scotland and they've got they've gone on to do a lot over, over the years and they just have a whole lot more shit coming up as well. Talking to Fraser was great. You you get a real sense of the guy in this interview and I have to thank the awesome, awesome people at the thirteenth floor are letting us just sit downstairs in their venue when nobody was in and generally talk shit for about 40 minutes. And uh, yeah, without them, it would have been a total bust. So thanks very much for that, guys. We really appreciate that. We really love you. Um, you do great things. So yeah, I'm going to open up this interview now with a Murder Burgers song, and I hope you enjoy it. You no longer work the same I want to get out of bed most days You say it likes like a structure And that you need something more mad I'd like to help But I swear I'm struggling Don't you ever want something more? Cause it's a beat of 
The very kind people in 30 for not Fraser have let us use their venue. How you doing? I'm and good. Happy New Year as well. Oh, Happy New Year, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm alright. I, I thought I'd be really hungover, but I'm not, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. What did you do last night? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know why you'd think you'd be hungover then. Just drank, yeah. Just all right, just drank, yeah. I didn't even do that. Woke up feeling pretty terrible for some reason. Is that a common thing? S- standard, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. I think we're often on the same page there then. Yeah. I often, often wake up hating myself, so I'm like, what, why even bother today? Like, yeah, sometimes if I wake up and I'm not hating myself, I'm kind of concerned, so... <laughs> What is a strange feeling they have? Yeah, this is happiness. This is, <laughs> this is odd. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a busy fucking man. Yeah. Yeah. You're one yeah. of the busiest men in punk <laughs> involved in punk music. Uh, maybe in Britain. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Why? Um. I I don't really know. I mean, combination of having nothing better to do and not liking staying in the one place, I guess. So, is, uh, so restlessness is that kind of is that like a, a huge is that like a, a big deal for you? Like, yeah, I mean, I find when I get home from tours, like sometimes on tour, like that one was a long one. I was away like for in total like three months, and kind of towards the end, I was like, ah, you know, I kind of can't wait to get home and you know just rest for a bit. And then like one week passed, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. I need to be somewhere else. So I guess yeah, restlessness is a big part of it. It's interesting. A lot, a lot of the a lot of the musicians and stuff that I've spoken to, they're always kind of like. They always kind of talk a little bit about like balancing life at home and life on the road in terms of it's great being away and doing what you do, but it's also yeah. great to be home. But then, like the restlessness is kind of set in. I think maybe a certain kind of person who are in bands kind of does that, like that kind of yeah. is the way they are. You know what I mean? It's hard to get the balance. I mean, I tried and kind of gave up a while ago because I tried to get the kind of balance of being like, yeah, I'll be in tour for part of the year, and then I'll just try and do kind of more normal stuff part of the year. But then I just found I just booked myself up with kind of tons of stuff and I know kind of dry. I, I usually just do like admin jobs and you know hand out flyers every now and then and that sort of thing and um, it tends to drive me insane pretty quickly. So yeah. I just try and do as much kind of band stuff as I can and kind of do the label stuff in between now. But I kind of need to get a job at some point, I guess. You don't have to. I mean, I don't have to, <laughs> but it would help. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's it's trying to I don't know. I find that I find myself in a similar position, only that um, I, I guess that now that I'm older and I just turned thirty, like I, I kind of find myself thinking that maybe maybe that the thing that you do, maybe it's part, maybe I'm too old to do it now. It's a ridiculous thing to say, I know, but you become so settled in a certain way of life, um, and like it's hard to go back to. Yeah, I don't old? think anybody's too old to kind of ruin a life just yet <laughs> would you say it ruins your life no I think it makes it more challenging and but I definitely like I get more enjoyment out of life by touring and doing band stuff and label stuff than you know I would just by not doing it but it definitely makes things a lot more kind of touch and go it makes me that, that's interesting you say that because when you said that I'm thinking you've had like a great wealth of experiences by, by being in a band and being on the road and doing all that shit and being in so many different places for so for so long. And uh, there's, this, there's this book back in North, I can't remember his name, but it's called The Experienced Economy. And it's right. about how, as people in the, our, our society's kind of moving past this materialism thing, more towards experiences and people valuing a life based on the experiences they've had as opposed yeah. to all the things that they own and that define them. Like so, a whole sort of fight club <laughs> nonsense, you know? Um, would you say that like, the whole experience part of it has been like, is like one of the biggest driving factors as to why you keep doing it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like my luck as someone that plays in a band is kind of uh, 
absolutely awful most of the time. Like, and people just joke about it quite a lot. Like, um, yeah, you know what? What can go wrong does go wrong pretty much. But I mean, even when you get like shows that are terrible or like, you know, something bad happens on tour, there's always the kind of experience of it, and you can always kind of laugh at it later on. You know. So yeah, I mean, if it wasn't that, I'd probably have just been like, "No, I'm not doing this anymore." But even like the, I mean, there's been some like terrible times on tour that have just been like, now they're just kind of laughable and like I can tell people about them and I've had the experience with it. So, and it always makes the next thing that's absolutely terrible not seem quite as bad. So there's always that. From what I gathered by following your recent travels on Facebook, yeah. you had, didn't have the best luck in the European and um, no. UK tour. Definitely not. <laughs> the, the shows were great, man. Like that was one of the kind of best runs we've done. Like in terms of like us not being, we were on tour with Rational Anthem. Like they're great and good friends of mine and stuff. But like in terms of not being on tour with like a bigger band, that was like gig wise, it was great. But everything surrounding it was just pretty diabolical. Like, it was, like, Van Hire falling through at the last minute, and, um, like, drivers bailing. One driver bailed the day before we were leaving, and then the other one bailed at 4 a.m. the day we were leaving. And also the Van Hire falling through meant we had to go out and buy, like, a second-hand car from this really dodgy guy called Henry. They just kept going, you'll have a wonderful time in this car. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to level with you, man. We're going to buy this piece of shit anyway. So if there's anything that needs to be done, can you let us know? And he's like, no. Nope. Perfect condition, completely fine. So I was like, "Cool, Henry, like best mates now. Thanks for the thanks for the car." And then, um, yeah, I noticed when we were, whenever we did like sharp right turns, like it made this noise. It was like, mm. so we were just like, "Oh, that's the car," you know, eating something else. Like it was just, you know, whenever it turned like, whenever it was like a really loud noise, we just say that was it, taking a really big bite out of the world or something. And then, yeah, it seemed okay. Actually, once he told us that there was nothing wrong with it, that's when I was sitting in the back seat and tried to open the door, and I was like, yeah, this door doesn't open. He's like, oh, it's funny, it was working a minute ago. So we had to spend some money on that collectively, and then uh, we got down to London, figured we'd get it checked out, um, and then leave the next day for Paris. And uh, the, the garage were just like, like we, we could let you leave with this, but we really don't want you to, because it's like full of holes that are leaking oil, and... You know, that wheel was like a danger, and engine was in perfect condition, but everything else was just terrible. <laughs> so, like, then we had trouble with a, a driver had to go home as well, so then we had trouble getting Noel and uh, Chris and Rational Anthem on the insurance because they're American. So with all that, we couldn't, like, go abroad or anything, and then, um, yeah, that was pretty terrible. So we, managed, we had to cancel Paris in the next French show, and then this guy, Andy, just kind of got in touch. He saw a post online, we never met the guy, but he was just like, yeah, I'm working this pub job that I don't really like, and I drive for bands, and uh, he basically got a, a train down from Nottingham, Nottingham to London um, at like 8pm, and then got down at midnight, we booked the ferry, and then just left and got the ferry at like 2am, then drove for 16 hours to get to Grenoble, and then continued the tour. It was pretty much plain sailing from then, but uh, oh, we had to cancel the first three shows actually as well, because... Uh, just with like money problems and stuff and um yeah so that kind of sucked but then Rational Anthem spent some time in Edinburgh we went and drank Dragon Soup and <laughs> got to hold an owl and stuff so that's cool too. yeah yeah met a guy that was claiming he was William Wallace who was really into Kiss and <laughs> showed us his Gene Simmons bass and stuff and that was cool that's a <laughs> but you know man that's the experiences that you live for but that's yeah. an interesting thing about like, a guy though is like 
it's fucking like you wouldn't get that in any other kind of community like some guy going oh by the way yeah, I'll just come and help you out for the next fucking foreseeable oh yeah definitely <laughs> especially a guy that we hadn't met yeah like Andy turned out to be awesome like he plays in this band uh, Pam Reader I don't know if you heard of that yeah fuck yeah yeah it's Andy from Pam Reader he was uh, they'll tour my cancel bats as well like yeah, so yeah. can anyone see them I think they're playing the garage one of the bands I'm in so I guess they played to Pam Reader and oh, no way. King Tut it's like a couple years ago oh yeah. sweet yeah it was Andy the guitar <laughs> player yeah he was just like yeah cool I'll do it so he came down and um yeah, we borrowed our, our old drummer's bilingo, which is what we used to tour in when he was in the band. It's like a, it's kind of like a one of those cars that's kind of designed for like a wheel, like holding like a wheelchair and stuff. So we, uh, like for a three piece, that was great for touring in. Um, but it was like five of us, so we just travelled. We left the drum kit, and Andy came down, and yeah, we had a really good time for the next two weeks. And you borrowed drum kits every night, then, yeah. Pretty much, but yeah. Pete from Rational Anthem is like a he's a smooth talker. Yeah, he's got that. He's got those. Uh, those dulcet tones so I do just remember kind of, very, very, very briefly meeting him and I was quite drunk and I think he was as well <laughs> yeah but he basically was able to because we had we borrowed cymbals and stuff that, that were okay but he was just like you know one of them didn't really make very much noise so he would just go up and go hi I'm Pete from Rush One so <laughs> just kind of sweet talk for the drummers so he borrowed pretty much everything every night no problem so that was fine That's if it had been me that was talking to drummers though like we would have probably not even been allowed to kit so <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty yeah, ballsy of drummer to do that. Like. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Like when I was like, I still play drums, but when I used to play drums, like for like bands like ten, eleven years ago, like I'd just show up with sticks. So I've always, I always like knew that feeling of like the guy that I've asked absolutely hates me. So like to do that all the way around Europe was a pretty ballsy thing to do, but. Yeah, he seems to be able to get by, no problem. So that was I mean, good. You obviously, fundamentally, your main band is the Murderbuckers, and you play, just play guitar and, and, and yeah. sing. Do you get pissed off when people ask to play your gear? Um, not really. I mean, if they're nice about it, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But I know I've found a couple of times, like, I've, I don't know, even though you're doing someone a favour, some people can just be kind of snobby about it and, like, Ah, my amp's good, man. I really like the thing, and like, it's just when people make like snidey comments because they couldn't get the sound they wanted. I was like, well, it's better than no sound. Yeah, you know, give me a break. It's but, not my um, fucking fault. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, most of the time I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, if with cabs and stuff, I can see why people are a bit more kind of precious about heads because if your head breaks on tour, then you're kind of screwed. One time actually in Cardiff, like I can't remember what the band was. It's my old amp, and I didn't actually say the band could borrow it I don't think but they just went in and plugged in anyway and the guy jammed the, uh, the jack like in the back so it fell through like like the back of the cab but he hadn't noticed and he did the same thing with the head and then so when he pulled it out of the head that was all kind of fucked and then the one in the back when he was playing because it would fallen in it was just smoke coming out the back of the amp and he was just like oh thanks for letting me use your stuff and then they left before we played so the sound guy had to come out with all these tools and like Thankfully, the guy was organised a power tool, so he like, <laughs> yeah, we only got to play for fifteen minutes that night, yeah. and my amp was kind of ruined. So after that, I was kind of precious about it for a while, but most of the time, not too bothered. I had the first show that I played before so it was man. It was fifty. Only played, only managed to play fifteen minutes for supporting Aspie. All right, cool. The sleazies and then um, the the sound guy had like we had some issues with uh, basically setting up, <clears throat> and the sound guy was like rushing us like hell. Yeah, like, guy, you're only fifteen minutes, like. Mate, this been, this, like, if you let us do a sound check to begin with, I would have been happy to have <laughs> this fucking issue, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was a bit of a bummer, but yeah, I told When was that? The, the Aspire one? That was, was in that? August. Alright, oh, cool, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I was just on tour when I was yeah. on tour with uh, Teenage Bottle Rock and Wonky, and it was um, Ed Ed Boning that does the, the booking for us. Pie. Mm-hmm. Like he was on that tour. I don't know if they were they were on that tour where we were on that one, but I think I, I, I think might get an off day maybe when they played in Glasgow. Ah, right, it was okay. possible. Yeah, I definitely missed it anyway. Mm-hmm. As you probably gather because yeah. I wasn't there. <laughs> Not anybody was there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just go talking about guitars and that and you seem to play quite a lot of instruments from, from the various side projects that you've done yeah um, where did it all begin though like where, where did, when did you first decide that playing music was something that you really fun, you really quite enjoyed doing <laughs> um, I know I mean I was in, kind of interested in like punk music from like, the age of like 12 I guess the first time I actually heard like a band like a punk band or whatever was when I was like Eight, I remember that was when like kind of Offspring, Green Day, and stuff were like on MTV all the time, and I remember like seeing like when I was like twelve, seeing like Smash like in Woolworths or something, and going like, oh yeah, I think I reckon this is the band that had that video where they lick eggs off the camera. <laughs> so like convinced my dad to kind of pick it up for me, and then after that, I just kind of got into more and more bands and decided that I wanted to give guitar a shot. Um, I was really really bad at it for months and just frustrated and couldn't be bothered, but. I know. It's after, yeah, I think from from then I kind of decided that I wanted to give it a shot. But then, yeah, when I was kind of sixteen, seventeen, I was like playing drums in bands and stuff. Um, I think by that point I decided that I just kind of wanted to play in bands and didn't really wasn't that interested about anything else. I did originally want to do the recording side of things and went to college for that, but it was one of those. It was one of those things where they're like, "Yeah, you'll be in the studio all the time, and you know, recording bands and." got there and it was all electronics and you were in a studio for half an hour a week and it was like like 25 people in a class and the studio wasn't even a studio it was like a cupboard that they'd put like a mixer in and like you know put a glass you know glass door with a drum kit behind it so you couldn't see anything and the equipment sucked so that kind of put me off doing that for a while so I ended up just kind of getting into playing in bands more um but yeah I mean even when I was like 18, 19 like I was doing kind of small tours and stuff like a couple of weeks and stuff with other bands and and then uh, when Mozzaburger started you know we sucked but we still kind of worked hard for like the first like couple of years or two or three years when we sucked and I think by that point I just decided that I wanted to kind of get better and try and do as much as I could so I, I, I just find it really interesting because like I said at the start man like you're one of the hardest working musicians I think that I've ever met like just in in I just wonder where, like, I've met a lot of musicians and I've got a lot of pals. They're also musicians as well, but, like, yeah. the work ethic is... That is fucking awesome. Thanks. <laughs> um, that was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of the 13th night, man. <laughs> um, fuck, what was I saying? Um, I'm not going to cut this bit out. I'm just going to leave this bit in. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the best bit. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the work ethic, obviously... You listen to bands like Green Day and The Offspring, like, they had that work ethic to begin with, but when... when like, I remember those days as well. Dawspring, Americana was the first record that I owned. And, yeah. um, but the work ethic, they didn't have that anymore because they were like, you know, fucking, they had the, the major label and stuff. Yeah. So at what point did you realise that the DIY thing was like, kind of your calling almost? Because it's kind of, it's obviously what you still do now, so it's been a long time doing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind, of, kind of always been involved in that, I guess. And like, I mean, even, like, now, like, unless, like, we do, like, a bigger tour with a bigger band, like, I'm still booking all of the tours, like, myself. Um, I don't know, I just built up, like, a lot of contacts over the years. It's made it kind of easier to do, and we always get offers to kind of play new places. I mean, I don't mind as long as I can get, like, you know, we get some money to get by um, and can continue to do it, then, like, I'm 
totally fine with that. But I think like just like I don't know the DIY thing I've always like I've been involved in like since I was like sixteen or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know if I've ever really realised that was it. I think it's just always been the way it is, you know. There was no, there was, I so guess there was no realisation. It's just like, well, I want to make shit happen, so yeah, I'll just I'll make shit just happen. Do it, yeah. yeah, you know, because I mean, a lot of the time as well, like with tools and stuff, like I know some bands like seem to be able to like like get in a booking agency and all that sort of thing, but we've never been that sort of band. Like we do some tools that are through booking agencies as like support, but we've never had a booking agency like come and say like oh yeah we want to well we have but it didn't really work out but um, like say that they want to take us on and stuff so it's like well it's either I'll just book everything myself or I'll just sit around waiting for no one to get in touch would you ever entertain so, that idea of a book agency because it seems to be quite a big thing for a lot of newer bands now um, yeah I mean I wish someone would do it for me if I could hear booking shows yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean sometimes I mean with the stress of it and everything and then you know like when you're booking it yourself as well, I find like everything's on you as well. If a show goes badly, then like other people. It's terrifying for me. That's why I don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, luckily the past few tours that I've been on, like people understand that you know that's not the case. Like it's not the person that booked it's fault. It's you know there's loads of factors that contribute to shows going well or shows not going well. But yeah, I kind of find there's yeah it's just the stress involved quite a lot of the time. Kind of makes me think like yeah you know it'd be good to have someone like book it for me, but the like the level that like Motherburgers is at it's like I don't know it seems almost really not worth it to get someone else to do it it's cool like doing support tours like I love doing that but I mean unless like we were at a stage where it was getting to the point that booking tours as well as doing everything else was unmanageable then I'm just continue kind of doing it this way it's, it's interesting that you say that man because there's a lot of bands that would kill to do the kind of show that you guys have done like playing heavy fest playing, playing fest supporting alcohol and fuel yeah. numerous times you know what I mean like that's the kind of shit that people get booking agents for. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the the tools the tools as well that we've done through booking agencies of like, like, I really appreciate doing them, but it's never the the booking agency that gets in touch with us. It's always been because we're you know, like it was Asian men that put us in touch with Alkaline Trio, um, and like when we toured with Mass and Trudel, that was like, that was Mass and Trudel that like said to the booking agent because we've been talking about it and same with like copyrights it was like the copyrights that got us on that so it's always like it's just through touring that's one of the things as well like um, I find touring to be really beneficial just for like that sort of thing like because you just make friends with bands that want to help you out and vice versa so um, yeah basically any bigger tour that we've done it's always been like the band or like you know with the exception of the Alkaline Trio one that was Asian man that got us on that so it's it's just kind of, I find like touring's the best way to kind of get out there and do that rather than sit around for someone else to do stuff for you.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I mean, one thing I've talked to Billy about is, oh, we kind of briefly brought up, I didn't really speak too much about it, but a lot of bands... They kind of see themselves in competition with other people. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've, you've done a lot of touring, you've played with a lot of bands, like, including obviously a lot of local supports and you know, bigger bands that tour. Yeah. Do you ever, have you ever come across that attitude as well? Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I don't think of it that way at all. Like, I just find it really weird. It's like, I don't know what you're in competition for. You know, it's like, it's like no one's really making any money. You're just going out there and playing and trying to do as much as you can. So, yeah, I always find it really weird when bands, like, I know I've had it in the past where bands like kind of snub you when you try and say hi to them or you know like they'll not watch you or they'll watch you and then just like completely avoid you and then I know yeah the whole band's been in competition thing is just really weird to me it's like I don't know what you're competing for there's like yeah I know just keep on playing and doing your yeah, you're doing what you want to do, kind of thing. Right, oh, no. Conversely, Scotland's got a fucking brilliant DIY punk scene with a lot yeah, of yeah, ace labels and a lot of ace people involved, some of which I've, I've spoken to for the podcast as well. And like, I think when you started out, though, like when you started out playing Murder Burgers, it wasn't like that. I remember when I first started out in a band, like, must have been back 2005. Yeah. That shit just, the only, the only label that really existed at the time was Make It Take, and they'd only just started. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that kind of shit just did not exist, and it's just, it's grown so much. That's definitely back then, was when the whole competition thing, it definitely felt more like that. Um, it was really hard to get, like, other bands to, like, help out with shows. Like, they would just, like, ignore messages and stuff. Even doing gig swaps, I would find, like, a lot of bands would be, like, weird about that. Oh, like you do a gig, you'd get like a band to play, and then they just kind of like refuse to kind of put you on like in their town. Like nowadays, it's completely not like that. There's like so many like people that are like out to kind of help each other out. But yeah, I was I totally felt it back then. It was really difficult. I remember as well, like back in like maybe like 2003, I think when I was playing a lot. That was back when like it was definitely that feeling of competition back then. And I think it's because like a lot of bands were like still trying to be like Blink 182 and stuff, and like. So they were just trying to kind of get to that level, and it was all paid to play as well. Like back then yeah. as well, there was barely anywhere you could put on like a like a show, and even if it was like somewhere like thirteenth note, you could only get like fifteen people to show up. And, you know, that pay to play thing is mind blowing because I thought we totally killed it in this city, and it seems to have come back. A lot of younger bands. There's a couple I really I I don't know their names because I like uh, I don't know the names of the promoters specifically, but I've, I knew that if I seen the promo company online, I would I would know what it is. Yeah. But there are a couple out there in Glasgow that still do it, and I'm like, like this is like there's better ways to make money for, for fuck's sake. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I just... Yeah, I totally thought it, it kind of died out until recently as well, but... Like, I, I don't know why, like... I don't know, I guess it's just, like, new generations of people that play in bands haven't realised yet that that's not the way to do yeah. it. You know, someday going, we're going to make you a star! Just fucking <laughs> give us all your money! My, my, um, my like, my mum's boyfriend, he, he used to play in... He played in lots of like sort of cock rock bands in the eighties. Yeah. And uh, when I, I remember I talked to him about this, like, and he was like, "Oh man, are you you just like just pay you on a show?" And I was like, "Mate, what?" It's <laughs> like I've never done that. My life was like really. It's like I like we just don't do that anymore. Like it's just not like why would you do, like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it was a huge like it was like before the whole punk thing was a really big thing. Like it, it was a, it was a huge. It was what you had to do. Yeah. Now it's totally different, which is ace. You know, but it's it's just times have changed so much, man. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like I've still definitely heard of like bands like buying their way onto tours and stuff these days. But I mean, that's when you know the vast majority of the time, like the band sucks, but there's just someone that's got money that they can pump into them and stuff. And but yeah, no, I'm so glad that most people have realised that that's not not the way to do it. You know, um, I, po- I posted that a couple of months ago. I posted a thing on Twitter, a poll on Twitter asking like buying onto tours, yes or no. And it was overwhelmingly no, but is, is that, has anybody ever came to you with that kind of thing? Like, we yeah, we've we've had some emails from like touring festivals and stuff that have been like, oh yeah, we want you really want you guys to come and play this festival, and you know we've got like fourteen dates like across America, and you know, blah blah, and I'll be like, eh, well, I've always been quiet about it to see what the deal is, and I'll be like, yeah, you only have to pay like, you know. $200 to get on each show and you know just to let you know you have to arrange your own transport sleeping places and stuff it's like nah I think, I think I'll just leave that that's just like warped to me yeah we got approached by one a couple of times I think it was the same one a couple of times it was like <laughs> it was like come on this tour it's like a month long but you have to pay to get on all of them um, we can't provide sleeping places you have to arrange all your own backline um, your own transport and um, it's a Christian touring festival <laughs> so you're not allowed to swear <laughs> and I was like yeah that's kind of kind of can't tick any of those boxes yeah. so we're just going to leave it it's probably, probably be a bible group if we need as well awesome. <laughs> yeah probably I actually checked out the website and stuff it looked like a like I mean not that we are going to do it but it seemed like a pretty kind of a uh, it wasn't very many people there most of the times. It seemed like not enough swearing. That's why, man. People yeah. love swearing. People fucking love swearing. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> fucking love it. <laughs> um, so, I've not, when I was doing some research earlier today, I was like, I have heard some interviews that you've done in the past. Right. Um, you haven't done that many though. No. That, that's not the question. But you haven't done that many. Why is that? Uh, <laughs> people don't want to talk to me. I guess. I don't know. You're lovely, man. Come on. Ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just haven't really done that many. Um, One of the things you said is um, proper pop punk, not shit like Fallout Boy and Barrymore. Um, yeah, well, it's just the thing is, like a bunch of bands like that. Like I'm not going to deny, like a bunch of bands like that do have catchy songs mm. or good pop punk songs. But I think like nowadays, it's, I totally feel fine with saying we're a pop punk band. But like back in the day, like if I said we're a pop punk band, people would just be like, they would just assume like 
followed by or like I don't know like Paramore or Panic at the Disco I don't even know what they sound like to be fair <laughs> but I'm assuming they're, they're getting lumped in with that crowd <laughs> but like yeah I mean it used to be like when we started out for the first few years when you tell when I'd tell people that were a pop punk band they would just instantly assume that but I think like expecting haircuts and big choruses yeah but like nowadays yeah it's totally fine yeah we're a yeah. pop punk band I don't have to make that um, comment anymore well, like what's the distinction in your head though um, well I think like the like I like both this is why I'm asking I'm interested okay in well when I think of the kind of um, kind of newer what new school or whatever pop punk stuff I just think the stuff that's like a bit more whinier with like breakdowns and stuff or the kind of beatdown bits and yeah you know that kind of thing like whereas calls it easy core like first 34 years strong and stuff like yeah. that yeah <laughs> yeah it's that kind of thing yeah but then like when I think of like pop punk bands I always think of bands like I don't know like Scooch and Weasel or Queers or Copyrights or you know that sort of thing like, like Ramones yeah. they say power pop yeah not, not even so much like strictly like I hate the term but like Ramones core like mm-hmm. not strictly is that, that is that actually like, a thing <sighs> yeah <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before oh uh, yeah yes yeah, just terrible, terrible, terrible term. Because the thing is, there's bands. I mean, one of the reasons, like, I totally get it when bands get described as it. But one thing is, you start like I remember reading like listings for something or a review of like Banner Pilot or Dear Landlord or one of those bands, and it called them like Ramones Core. And I was like, well, they're not. They're like a Midwest pop punk band. But like, yeah, it just seemed like a like a lot of bands just getting lumped in as that. And it kind of puts me off checking out a lot of those bands because it's like Ramones core and I just expect it to be like one, two, three, four, Gabba Gabba, whatever. I love the Ramones, man, like, obviously, like, they're one of my favourite bands, but like, yeah, it just seems using that Ramones core thing just kind of puts me off, like, checking bands out. But I do kind of associate, like, pop punk more with, like, Scooch and Weasel and bands like that. Yeah, I, would, I don't know, the bands that I like that I'd say with pop punk are like, I don't know, like, I used to be really, like, mostly into, like, Scooch and Weasel queers, Mr. T experience, like, that sort of thing. Um, like nowadays I kind of like a bit more like I know I like a lot of the, the kind of Midwest like uh, bands like Dear Landlord and the Manics and Vinyl Pilot and stuff but, but I still kind of I, I guess like I don't know it's, the, it's, the, it's mainly the breakdown bits I kind of associate with uh, with the kind of newer kind of mm-hmm. pop punk kind of thing that like, kind of like do you like Wonder Years? I've not really heard much of them like we had um, Rudy from The Walking Targets um, like he was playing drums for us for a little while, and the, he was really into that sort of thing. What was that label? Was it Top Top Shelf or something? Yeah. There was a lot of those bands. Like he was really into those. Um, so I've only really held some of those bands because of him, but I've not really held too much. Like I should maybe stop being so narrow-minded and just check some other bands out. <laughs> well, man, you like what you like, and there's like that's the probably thing about punk is we don't want to hear anything else other than the shit you love, then don't fucking listen to it. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I would just stick to being. <laughs> Dickhead, then. How <laughs> does that make you a dickhead? I don't understand. It probably doesn't. I just thought I'd put myself down. It'd been about like I'd put myself down at the start of this, I think, a little bit, and I thought I'd tight enough time had passed for me to put something else in. So you need to just like the quotient for putting yourself down to get a lord enough for you to have yeah, to yeah. back up again. I need a reason to rise. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you keep you've kept uh, people who have maybe never heard the murder workers before. Um, I'm not saying they listen to this podcast because they probably don't. But um, if they haven't, then you keep saying we. But it's basically just you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird because it's like, I want to say... I don't know, it's, it's weird just because I, I do think of it as a band, but then it's just like... I feel weird going like, oh, well, I've done this and I've done that. Because there's always other people doing it, but they're just not permanent members. So, I don't know, I feel a bit like it's, it feels like... 
I'm being a bit full of myself if I just say that it's me. But then again, it is pretty much just me most of the time. So that that's kind of why. And it, it feels weird saying a band name and then saying I. Yeah. You know? So that that's kind of it's, it's a weird thing to to have. Weird what, problem to have. Why is it? Why is there be so many like so many? Well, it's like rotating door basically. Why? Yeah. Is that a reason for that now, or has that become like? Is that through circumstance or is that through choice or like is um, maybe a bit of both or? I think a bit of both. Um, it's mainly like I found that people don't really want to tour as much as I want to. And I can totally understand that because you know it makes everything more difficult around you. Because um, you know you basically have to quit jobs and can't pay rent, and then you know if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, like they'll get angry about that and stuff. So it kind of puts a lot of pressure on. Um, so yeah, but basically, basically just like band members like didn't really want to tour as much as I did. So I know there's a lot of bands that will kind of just stick with the same lineup and not do as much but that would kind of drive me insane so that's how it started it's just well if you, if you can't do something like I'll just kind of get someone else that wants to do do more really but it's got to that point that pretty much everybody that I've asked to to join to do more are at that stage where they're like well I can't, I can't do as much anymore so now it's just like a list of people mm. where like I'll, I'll get in touch like if I need to, like someone to go on tour yeah. and stuff like that I would like it to be like a like a kind of a like a permanent lineup of like three people but it's just kind of difficult like because I mean a lot of the people that I'm that uh, play for Motherbuggers now are in other bands so like and they always Fair enough, they always prioritise like, their own band over mm. Motherbugger's stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it's mainly just like, it's kind of through choice. Like, I want to tour more, so I don't want to stick with the same people and circumstance because other people don't want to tour as much, I guess. So, I mean, I, I suppose it's fortunate for you as well because your format is, is, is a three-piece. Yeah. And you are the songwriter and, you know, the guitar player and the lyricist. Is so, it's... I'm, I'm, probably, I'm just going to say it. It's, your, it's always going to be... It's always your vision, regardless of who's, who else is around you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I don't think you should really feel as though it's wanky for saying like I, because it is just that is just as you now. Like yeah, I, th- I kind of feel weird as well because people have kind of clocked on the fact that it's just me. So some people have kind of like, as you said about why you're saying we when it's just mm-hmm. you. And it's like ah, maybe, maybe I should just start saying I. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it, man. Like um, Prince does it, you know. <laughs> I love Prince. He's the first person that comes to mind. Um, I can't think nobody else immediately comes to mind but I'm sure there are loads of people that do the same thing right? yeah I mean that's what the, that's what the queers do the queers yeah. just Joe um, pretty much <clears throat> it's kind of Joe they told me he's like yeah like you know don't get too down if like someone leaves the band or whatever because there's always like people that want to do like tours for maybe like three weeks or a month or whatever that can't do it the whole year round so he's like you just have to find people that want to do like parts of the year and then just make sure that they can do it then so the one thing that's kind of a bit of an issue for me at the moment is not having like a lineup just to do like like if we get asked to do something good at the last minute like you know chances are like I won't be able to do it because like I won't have anybody to do it because like um, yeah just and I was getting to that I'm getting to that point as well like the age that I'm at like a lot of people are getting married and having kids and kind of getting like permanent jobs and that yeah. sort of thing <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's still just like pretending that I'm like you know Eight years younger than I actually am, and all my friends are in the same position as you. So maybe, yeah. maybe you should be my friend now. <laughs> maybe, yeah, there we go. <laughs> like none of my friends are getting married or have kids, so and I'm thirty, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's just a 
It happens like though, a like, circle of people that I haven't bumped into yet. I spoke to Billy about this and, um, as well because I think that's something he's going to go out after Billy's. Um, okay. Well, probably will now because <laughs> yeah. now after saying that, but he was talking about the people that was in his very first band and we all kind of moved on to have like lives now. Do you yeah. Know? And and I was asking him kind of one of the things I asked you at the start of the interview as well was like, do you think there's a, a specific kind of person? That wants to do this, and I think the answer is yes. He, he, he didn't really have an answer for that, but I think there is because um, not everybody's happy with well, people not every, but people are happy with just having a life and having kids and settling down, yeah. But yeah. Some people just aren't, and that's I think that's fine, yeah, you know. Um, but it does tend to happen to most of your friends because they, they fear everybody wants comfort, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely dying, like you know? agree with you, I think there is like a certain type of person. And in a way, I kind of envy people that are like happy with just kind of like they'll be like, yeah, you know, they can. Like I've got friends that like playing bands, but they're happy just to do like a couple of like two weeks, two week tours a year, mm-hmm. and then do the odd thing and record. But then they've got their the kind of comfortable life, which is completely fine. But in a way, I kind of almost kind of envy them because if I was kind of in that position, even though some people are completely fine with that, like I'm always like. I just start to feel really restless with that sort of thing. So yeah, I think there is like a type of person that just can't really stay in one place for too long. I think. On the other hand, though, you're you're now on Asian Man Records, which is an awesome yeah. thing, and you could choose to do that. No. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I mean, there, like, I was kind of pretty much on tour with like the exception of like a couple of weeks between things um, since like May, um, like last year up until I got home on the twenty third of December, moved in a new flat, and then did all the Christmas shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can definitely, definitely do more than I used to be able to. Um, but yeah, it's just finding finding other people that are kind of willing to do it, so that I can still keep it going. But but yeah, I mean, it's definitely I'm definitely finding like it's kind of harder to do some things, but it's definitely getting kind of easier to put a lot more time into just touring and kind of doing it as as full time as possible. Really, the one thing the one thing that's harder to do is like because I'm doing the label thing as well. Like it's kind of hard to do that when I'm not around. So. Yeah. That's the one thing. Does being on the road all the time make you feel kind of more whole, more sort of stable? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I'd, one thing is, like, I get really bad anxiety at jobs. Like, any job that I get, I don't know what it is. It's like, I feel kind of, I guess if I knew what it is, it'd be easy enough to just go, right, don't do that. Like, stop mm-hmm. acting like a weirdo. <laughs> but, like, if I, if I work at a job, like, I just feel really kind of out of place, whatever the job is. Like, I do a lot of admin work. Um, I did that for a long time until I recently got my first... Proper, proper job for a long time. Ah, cool. Yeah, admin works fine because it's like I like the ones that you just kind of get like given a pile of stuff to do. They just put you in a column and you do it. That's my kind of thing. But yeah, I always feel kind of weird like at jobs like that and call center work and stuff. Like I just can't do. Like I feel far too weird about it. Like fuck yeah, man. But it's not even <laughs> just like it's not like a, a childish thing of like a dislike of a job. It's just completely not feeling right doing it. Um, whereas like I'm, when I'm on tour and like playing, like I found these days like. Like on tour and talking to people about what I'm doing. Like if I talk to someone at like a like a day job that I'm doing about like oh, playing a band and stuff, I just feel like awkward and weird and embarrassed about it in a way. But if I'm actually playing, like that's when I feel completely fine doing it. So that's why I feel like the more I'm on the road now, like the better that I just feel about everything in general. It definitely works better for my mental health, you know. That's, I guess that's a, that's a good thing. Um, having that drive to keep doing it as well is is, yeah. is important. Um, do, 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 you, do you know where that drive comes from? Like, um, not really, no. Um, I guess 
I mean, I, I, I mean, I just love playing and I love writing stuff. And I used to hate recording, but I really like recording now. And um, you know, it's just loving doing those things and seeing that by doing those things, I can get to like a, a position in life that I just feel like more comfortable. Like, like as a person, like not financially. Financially, it's a disaster. <laughs> But yeah, just like the the more I kind of do it, the more I can see like yeah, I can kind of feel more normal like for a, a longer length of time if mm-hmm. I keep doing this. I think that's a good probably a good note to end on. That's a good yeah. a good a good end quote. Ah, there we go. <laughs> um, if you get anything else you want to say, or, like I, I've asked all my questions as well, so that's good. Um, if you get anything you want to say or anything you like to ask me before we uh, wrap up, um, I love asking this question at the end. What do you think about a movie called Wrestles in Space? What do you think about that? This is my big pitch that I'm putting. Oh, yeah, I've seen this in, I've seen this in Twitter. Man, Seth Rogen's a dick for not oh, responding man. to me, man. Completely snubbing me. <laughs> and I, I've kind of started as a joke. I can't remember why we got on that topic, but I was like... I think like when I was touring with Rational Anthem, they were like... You know, I've been touring with Americans for the past two months and then was in tour with them. And they kept on going, Come on now, brother! So we kind of, <laughs> we kind of kept talking in that voice. And I was like, it'd be really good if there was like a movie like Armageddon or something where like a wrestler like a guy floated into space like to his death but went no brother <laughs> so then it was like wrestles in space so started really like getting into it and then that's when I, I kind of got a bit tipsy and started like internet bullying Seth Rogen um, has he blocked you yet? not blocked me he's just snubbing me I mean oh. at least if he'd blocked me that would be like a reaction it's like, like he's noticed at least he knows who you are kind yeah. of like yeah <laughs> I mean there's a lot of people that have been kind of pitching in with like hassling him and not, nothing, man. man I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. idea. You, I think you should you should make like a trailer and then send them a link and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I met a guy in Austria and he was like, um, he, he like saw the post about it and was like, yeah, man, like really serious. Like, That's a great idea, man. He's like, if you want to make this, we should do it. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm making a movie just now with my friends and like seriously, like I love this idea. So if Seth Rogen doesn't pick up on it, you know. Tough luck for him. Like I'll get, I'll do it with this Austrian. I made a couple friend. of shots myself, man, and there are no shortage of people out there that would probably want to do this. So. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know that band, the D Cracks. You know them from Austria. Yeah, yeah. Their drummer Mike just looks like Hulk Hogan, so I thought <laughs> he'll have a space. He'll he'll definitely have a part. And then uh, Kyle Manning, who was playing drums for us in the states, he plays in like City Mouse and a bunch of other bands. Like he's like the US uh, Mike D Cracks. So I thought I definitely <laughs> need to get them in. And from what I've heard, Adam Sandler would be up for it because people just saying he's the money. Oh man, that guy. Like that guy <laughs> fuck that guy if you, if you, yeah well if you want you can have a part as well man <laughs> no, I can't act I'm happy to be behind the camera but not in front of it man <laughs> I know we've got headphones on just now you could be like one of the people that's on like the spaceship that doesn't you can be like a like you can have a background part come on brother come on brother <laughs> <laughs> lift up brother <laughs> I'll maybe start doing my bass passes man to get a fucking <laughs> yeah well, I mean that's my, my plan now that I'm home for a little bit man I'm just going to get ripped and yeah yeah Really, really put some thought into wrestles in space. <laughs> I'll see you in two months, and you'll be like a stupid guy, like with a dyed blonde mustache and shit. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> <laughs> shouting threats at everybody in the street. Come on, brother! Have you seen um, Andy from Every Time I Die, the guitar player who has like built like a fucking tank? I think he I have. Yeah, massive, and he's bald and looks like Bronson. Yeah, that's what you'll be like at the next Burger Burger show, man. Just like built as fucking just like <laughs> angry for the time. <laughs> just fucking roid rage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm looking for uh, that. Better happen. That's on record now. Asked it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> shit. Yeah, well, you know, I've said it, so it's going to happen now. Yes. Yeah. Fraser, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for talking. Yeah, thanks to a lot, man. Thanks a lot. So there you have it. A great interview with Fraser from the Murder Burgers there. 
Um, it was the first interview that I did in 2016, actually, so it was good to get back in the saddle after taking a few weeks off and and uh, just basically getting fat over Christmas, like we all do, getting fat and drinking too much. So, yeah, that seems to be the way that the thing everybody does. So, aye, it was good. And it was good to sit down and chat with Fraser. Um, I've been trying to arrange this interview with him for quite a long time, actually. Initially, I was going to talk to him way back during the summer at Heavy Fest because he was doing merch for Teenage Bottle Rocket at the time, but it just never materialised, so it was it was good to grab him just after he's come off tour and to talk about those experiences and to basically speak about, you know, his music, his musical life. It's It's been, it's, it was wonderful and yeah, hopefully we can do it again. I really enjoyed chatting to him and, you know, there's a lot of people... I mean, most people that I talk to, I want to get to come back on the podcast and talk some more about some other shit. So maybe that'll happen in the future, maybe not, who knows. But I hope you enjoyed the chat. I know that I certainly did. I enjoyed it even more listening back to it, which which I think is probably a sign that it was really, really good. So I hope you agree. And if you don't agree, tell me. I want to hear from you. I mean, either drop me an email or just get at me on Twitter. That'd be awesome. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Please drop me a rating and review on iTunes. As always, I appreciate that immensely. And yeah, I'm going to play you out now with another Murder Burger song. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time. Bye bye. The lump in my throat reappealed today. I'm a proof of the kinetic on a wave. But I'm hoping things are simple than they seem. Cause I'm getting used to normal dreams. I see much improved myself to help to make sure other people have as well. But the lesson just again the ability to step back and practice empathy. Simply knew when I say I sympathize. When I see the worry in your eyes, I'm reminded of my sanity. And I can't, but I know there are things that you can do with So what love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a turbo tax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax makes them count that means getting 100 back and 100 accurate taxes only from intuit TurboTax. must file by 331 credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service offer can be modified or terminated at any time 